0: Welcome to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell, where each week you hear from safety industry experts and leaders discussing safety culture, team development, and the future of the safety industry. If you are looking for help with your safety program or have questions, head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Let's get started.
1: all right welcome back everyone to our true safety podcast i am so excited today to have ward johnson who is the avp corporate director of risk control at ufg insurance and ward the reason why i'm so excited to talk with you today is because i this is a little switch up for me i have been talking every week with safety professionals and in my company i'm talking with osha safety professionals and so to finally talk with someone on the insurance side is going to be a different conversation. So I'm really excited to pick your brain. But how are you doing today? Thank you so much for being here.
2: Doing great. I appreciate the opportunity to look forward to having a very robust conversation.
1: Yay. Well, I just want to first start off by asking you, how in the world did you get into the insurance side of risk management and how did you land here?
2: Well, it's an interesting uh, story. <laughs> yeah. In my mind's eye, it is, you know, I think, um, you know, for me, I, I graduated college with a uh, bachelor's of science degree in industrial safety and, and minor in industrial security. And I thought it was a purpose, you know, I thought I could do well in it because it's really all about prevention proactively. Yeah. And then, you know, and let's not kid ourselves. It's behavior based even back then. And I think we're now coming to the conclusion it's really a now thing versus rudimentary rules and regulations. And that's all well and fine. You yeah. know, that's what your basis of life is. And and uh, my first job was a, a trainee with the company out of El Paso, Texas. And you know, and they gave me an opportunity and and I've been working in the field since 1982. And I've had various roles and in, in whatnot and learned from the ground up. And, and the one thing I did learn is you need you need to pay attention, listen to those who are more experienced and wise and then test the metal of what they say and how they do it. And the benefit here is you can help people yeah. not because you have to, because the, the rules and regs say but you, you want to because there's a bigger purpose because you're creating something that will have longer lasting approach than just the rules. You're changing folks for the better. That's why I got into it.
1: You are speaking my language and what's really interesting what I would love to dive in on is just how safety has evolved since you first started getting into this industry. So to hear you talk about I'm excited to get your answer on this, but to hear you talking about Behavioral based safety, for an example, and how that's evolved. So that was a conversation. Um, when? When was that? When did that become a conversation in the safety realm of things? Has it always been no, relevant? Not at all. Okay, because no. I was thinking. No, it's what? not.
2: It's it, it, and we're continuously evolving. You know, this idea that's you know, I think that the premise was we'll have behavior based safety, in it and it's all in a textbook, right? And then you can look and read and you cite and it always, always in the past, it always deferred to the authority having jurisdiction. Right. Even though we're talking about behavior-based, it always said, but, you know, check your regs, check the, how is this changing? We're not changing. And, right. you know, and then, I, then I, I like to believe it's looking at things in an untraditional way because apparently, Using behavior-based is a little daunting, and people think, "Well, he wants me to change my behavior. Why?" Versus maybe try not, but like, maybe not the traditional approach on this. We go a little untraditional, and, and the untraditional is asking the why: Do we want to repetitively do something that's going to give us the same results? And and if you want to be average, then live in the rules and regs because that's what that's what rules and regulations are—they're average because yeah. they set the standard. It's saying the standard is here not here and so as a result you change that process and you change that mindset but you have to you have to do that purposeful and you have to share with them the why behind doing it and and it has a longer and it has more what i like to refer to as runway yeah because you're talking about people's perceptions and lives Mm -hmm. versus well i'll engineer that out we can't engineer it out because you get people involved. We'll all put controls in place. Okay, great. But you still have people involved. People,
1: people, people, people.
2: So I lean heavily into that.
1: So, what I'm really interested is to understand what you've seen being in this industry for a long time. How have you seen the culture side, everything that you just mentioned right now? is going above and beyond compliance. You said that compliance rules and regulations, that's just setting the that's the standard of what companies should abide by. We shouldn't be up, up trying to just achieve like OSHA compliance. We should go beyond that. I completely agree with you. And so how have you seen companies in various industries tackle that challenge of going beyond compliance? What did it look like then? What's it look like now from your eyes?
2: Well, well, I'd simply say what's what's the most comfortable thing to do. I can look and read, and I can say, well, if I just did this, I've met the spirit of the compliance. Yeah. Then I'd say, okay, great. But is that really where we want to go? And then culturally asking the question, and and then discerning from that individual, do you, can I sense they have a willingness and desire to improve? Do they want to be better than just average? And if I showed them the path on how they could get better, and, and there's not a risk, because a lot of these things are perceived as risk. Well, the risk of being average is, is there is no risk. The risk of being great requires you to get out of your comfort zone and ask yourself, if I did this, how much greater could we be? How much more powerful? And the really, the, the really, really the opportunity here is for the individual to have a willingness and a desire to, to improve. And, you know, if we all want to go through life as being average, well then great. That's, that's your purpose. But if you want to go through life with being, maybe being a little bit more forward thinking, and a little bit more open to and a different approach, but the approach will get you to a better spot and you have a resource that's going to support you and be a consultant to you. You would be amazed how well your company can achieve greatness it, it doesn't take that much extra except the extra of getting out of your own way and be open to those things philosophically for me anyway is acknowledging what i don't know and then allowing others to coach me up and say you know if you tried it this way you might be a little bit more successful and if you allow people the opportunity to do that without being so stuck in your ways, you'd be amazed at the performance of your company. So when we talk to potential and existing policy, we, we gauge their willingness and desire to improve and it's tangible, right? So they could say, you know, I've had some losses in this space and I really don't know why I'm having you say, well, what have you, what have you learned? What do you mean, what's the root cause analysis? So you go back to the basics, right? Because that's what they're comfortable on. And then what have you done? Well, I've trained them. What'd you train them on? What training that they shouldn't do that? Okay, and what else have you done? (laughs) Well, what else is the reward? I don't know, because you've done that before, you're getting the same result. Maybe if we looked at it from a greater purpose in coaching, maybe we said there needs to be some personal accountability. Well, what do you mean personal accountability? Well, you own your results. And if you empower those individuals to say that they own their results, you're creating an environment where learning is more accepted and changing is more accepted. And sometimes you have to just say, hey, we've talked about this before and we've said that we're going to do it. Why are you wanting to fight this? Or why are you not wanting to lean into this? Mm-hmm. And they're like, well, I don't know. I don't know. Well, is it the fear of failure or the fear of success? Mm-hmm. Which one is it? Because there's some fear here, and I use that idealistically. So I fear it's probably more apprehension. That's where I think we as safety professionals have to get our own way, get out of that traditional approach, and be a little bit more consultative, mm-hmm. a consultative approach on how you manage your business. Now, you can choose you don't want to do that, but I'm just telling you, there's a heck of a lot more success and more intrinsic value in doing this. And, and if you think I'm crazy, those that do, normally performance-wise, and dare I say, how they price the business is more leaning into those that are more progressive. And progressive, we, you know, everyone has their own interpretation, but progressive means getting rid of what you've done in the past and being yeah. open to the untraditional uh, approach we take. And, and what, I, what I think we do with my company is give them an opportunity, but you have to be there to support them. That's that's really the crux for us in, in making impactful decisions. And then acknowledging, hey, they don't want to do it. And it's okay. But it's probably not going to be a customer we're going to do business with.
1: Absolutely. There's no
2: value in it. Because yeah. you're going to get the same results you got before.
1: I There are so many golden nuggets of what you just dropped right there. Because a few things I want to unpack that is one of the first things he said that struck me was there's not a lot of risk in staying average, but if you want to go to the next level as a company, then there's going to be some risk in accomplishing great things. And the way you're speaking about going to the next level as a company and how that has everything to do about safety and in the the sense of accountability and systems and processes and culture you're just speaking my language. So, oh my goodness. So, and I love what you said. You're in the space where you're first assessing the willingness from the owners, from the leadership team. Do they even want to go to the next level? Because I agree with you, our ideal customer, it took me a long time to figure this out, this common sense thing out, but as a safety consulting company, I had to realize, every customer is not a great customer. Our ideal customers are the ones that say, hey, Apolonia, we're already doing the OSHA basics. We want to go to the next level and achieve greatness. Not the company that says, oh my gosh, can you help us check the boxes because I hate safety and get this off of my plate. Those are not our ideal customers because we battle and battle exactly how you said. They they're seeing the same results year after year and they don't want to do anything about it. So though, so that's not the ideal customer. So this is exciting. I want to ask you, if you are working with a policyholder and you do sense that they are willing to get out of their comfort zone and go to the next level, what are some first steps? Let's say that we have some listeners, some safety professionals, some, um, just leadership um, members at a company that they're willing they want to go to the next step what are some first steps that you walk through with those customers some first baby steps to get to get out of the i'm just doing the osha standard basics i want to go to the next level what well are first things?
2: well you know if, if i could just here's what i would say is okay so first i think you know with every true uh consultant. And I lean heavily into the consultant because reps are reps, right? They're loss control reps. And we purposely changed our name to risk control consultants because consultants really consult on the business. So you then make make the correlation. Okay. So we acknowledge that we want to get better. And then we ask, well, how does better look to you?
1: Right. And how does
2: best in class look to you? Because I see, I've got some ideas, but you see that if they're my ideas, then who owns them? if they're our ideas by us brainstorming. And I'd say, simply let's acknowledge the fact that we want to get better and what does better look like. And we and we do a little reflective listening and summarizing that back and say, well, if I hear you correctly, this is what you want to achieve and how we're going to achieve this. And what things do you already acknowledge and believe that we're going to have to do? Is it is it training? in respect to a ongoing forward plan. And training is daily. This idea that training is set up on a schedule, that's a bunch of hooey. Training, we, we get trained every day. It's whether we want to accept that training or not. And then as a leader, how are you modeling that? So you and I are in a meeting and I go, yeah, this is great stuff. And I walk out and I go, this isn't so great. How am, I, how am I living into that? And then who are my advocates that I'm using? Because we all have to have advocates in this. So if I say, well, one of my advocates or two of my advocates are on this and, and I just want to forward one year, they're, they're a little persnicky on this. So we're going to have to do some more work in, in, in coaching them up. And I, and I pivot to a lot of coaching because if it's coaching, it's not criticizing. And, and coaching means that you're getting people to a better spot by working on their techniques. And techniques are not just the, you know, the hard skills from a technical base. They're also the, hard, uh, the skills relative to interpersonal communication. And how are you coaching them up to leverage that and expressing to them the passion that you have and the enthusiasm you have? Because I believe enthusiasm is contagious. And if you're enthusiastic about a process or a procedure, your people will lean into that. And you as a leader, you have to demonstrate that. And you have to be supportive. So you, first off, you gotta, we got to be better listeners. And then you have to reflect and play that back there. And you have to ask them, where do you see this? And how does success look like for you? And then we start building what that success model should, really should contain. And then there's components. And then you say, what are the milestones? What's, what's the road mapper? And we use that a lot in our business. What are our milestones? What exit are we going to take to to know that that we need to get off in here and do this sort of behavior based or training mechanism? And then when when we get back on the highway, and what's the next mile marker? And what does that mile marker look? And then put a date to it. Because I think people work better results oriented if you give them attainable dates. And sometimes you might want to possibly stretch those where you need to but also you might want to say you might want to get in the accelerated lane here because we're going to move a little faster here so let's be prepared for the oncoming express lane because it's 65 here 85 here so buckle up and then you get the commitment of your team and their willingness and you have to develop a trust trust and we use we have a a term we use on my team is a, it's the promises. Are, are, it's trust, transparency, and teamwork. Mm-hmm. We trust the process. We're transparent as to the why. And we do it through teamwork. That's how you get from being average to extraordinary. That's how you get people who are less inhibited and more forward-thinking in trying to embrace these things. And then it's okay if we have some pitfalls and we, we, we may go, ooh, need to pull over here and stop the car and rethink it's okay but then we get back in yeah we have those checkpoint meetings but everything centers around wanting to get better and that willingness and desire and i and i believe you can do some great things through through teamwork
1: yeah you can't
2: do so much individually you can't pull everything by yourself you got to have others pulling with you not against you and that's how i think you you approach it is is an opportunity to get to greatness and we want to provide that through our support and our and actually the expertise that we bring from the other side of it because we, they know their business but we know what can get into the greatness by our business and our expertise and our knowledge and you don't have to personally know all those things and you should probably acknowledge that but you have people who do yeah. And we can bring other resources in here that can give you even more assistance. That's where that's where the that's where you get when you when you buy into this whole, I want to get better than just average. But it requires commitment. And it may even require you to step back and go, ooh, yeah, this is a little bit more rocky than I thought, but that's okay. We all go through that. Yeah. And, and, that, and that's called learning and evolving. So that's how I'd approach it.
1: I love that. I've never heard it um, worded and packaged like that, where some initial questions might be, what does it, what does greatness look like to you? What does world class look like to you? What does greatness um, look like in your eyes and your perspective? And I wrote this down. This was really good. was, you said, and what are some things as a company that you already acknowledge that you need to change? Because you're right, if the whole safety plan is coming from you, how are you going to sh- to push that on a customer, a corporation, you're right. They need to have their equal buy-in and ideas and, and passions into that program to where they will drive it when you're gone because you're not gonna be there. And so they need to be the, the driving forces. And so that makes so much sense. And so working with, again, this is why I love, this is why I'm so excited about our conversation, because you work with all different sizes of companies, different industries. And so is there one, let's say, let's put it into practical terms for our safety listeners, um, or, or management that's listening today. Is there one program that you've seen, maybe it's not called the same program, but is there one practice that your top policy holders, your top achieving policy holders are practicing. Is there one thing that really sticks out amongst the cream of the crop to you? It might not be, you know, this the same near miss program or root cause analysis program, but is there something that the best are doing that you just see consistently? Well,
2: you know, I think it's coin. you know, even you can go back and it's really about accountability programs.
1: Wow. I mean,
2: I mean, it's really all that. I mean, we can have anything associated with that and we can put it in a nice little binder. But at the end of the day, it's all about accountability, personal accountability and corporate accountability, right? And you know, if I own the accountability and I being I on my team, you know, then it's then it's then you really start getting some some traction and you start getting some, some momentum and you start moving us forward. But if there's no accountability, you've got no shot. So if they say, well, you know, we'll just kind of figure this out and we'll, you know, we'll, you know, surfacely we'll say the accountability is with the safety manager. No, it's not. It's with the president of the company. And you model that through your actions. So I always tell my team, you know, I'm accountable. Hold me accountable. So everything we do, there's accountability associated with it. And at the end of the day, if I'm not living into it and I don't, I'm not, leaning into it, that I'm held accountable, right? So when you're wanting to improve and you want to be best in class, who's going to be accountable? Well, we are going to be accountable. OK, who owns this? I own it. And how is that going to be measured? And how are we going to determine at the end of the day that we've been successful? Other than saying we checked the box, we did the OSHA compliant training, yeah. good for you. So at the end of the day, you've got that in your bailiwick, but your results are still your results and they're not very impressive. Or are you gonna say, I'm gonna do more behavior-based and I'm gonna talk to the person and ask them why we're struggling with this and give me some feedback as to what is inhibiting you? What are the barricades that you're encountering? Is it what we're asking you to do more in your mind's eye that we're asking you to change or have we not told you we're doing this to improve? Because if you say change, I need you to change, Ward. Versus Ward, I need you to improve. I'm going to be a little bit more open to the well, oh, I think she just asked me she wants me. I think you can improve. Versus yeah. she asked me to change. Really, me change? Come on, I can't change, but I can improve. So that when you, different. you right, so see, you know how the feel is, and you know, and so how people process that is, we have this defensive mechanism. When people think, well, change versus improve. Yeah. Anybody who's on this earth should want to improve. Right. You want to improve on being average? You want to improve on being extraordinary? I want to show you a path to be extraordinary. Wow. Let me help you improve.
1: That is, that's a huge takeaway. I just, I've, I've also never, I have never heard a safety professional on the insurance side of things is, Hey, what what uh program has helped you take go to the next level and when you said accountability i was completely mind-blown and that makes so much sense you know to look back at every safety program that i've had the chance to be a part of and help develop the ones that have succeeded are the ones that were held accountable from very top up down
2: what a novel concept right <laughs> you know you can do that but there's nobody's accountable well, then you're questioning why we're not successful i don't know but you see that's the traditional approach right let's get the safety compliance book out let's get your safety manual out let's put it up on a nice shelf and then when the insurance person comes out you can pull it down and you dust it off and then you ask how can you tell me how you've been successful they're like well, what do you mean well tell me how you've been successful because your loss performance is it's outstanding i don't understand what you're asking We you just so you're not doing anything? Well, I think I am. And if they can't explain it
1: um,
0: to
2: me, you know what I'd say? Let's run from that account because they can't explain why they've been so successful, right? Now, conversely, I see you've had some bad performance. Tell me what what you think. And they say, well, here, here's what I think we need to do, and here's where I'm going to need your help because it's not working. I acknowledge I have these, and I need your help to get better. What can you do to help me? Guess who? guess which customer we're going to spend time on
1: the ones that want to go to the extraordinary. Exactly,
2: want. right? And, and it's like, well, aren't you taking some that are problematic? Problematic because we haven't been, been able to service them the way they need to be serviced. and we Because we're in such a traditional mode, well, they just need more training and they need more compliance versus we need to do things that are a little bit untraditional. And we want to change them from a behavior standpoint and show them why that fast, fast behavior isn't getting them into the into that extraordinary area and here's how we can do that and 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 that requires us as professionals to quit leaning on what is comfortable Mm -hmm. it's comfortable to make those recommendations it's comfortable to make those compliance stuff because you see you can lean back and say well that's what they said there's no personal accountability right Mm -hmm. because i'm leaning on on the compliance versus me doing I need you to institute an accountability program that's very progressive and progressive meets coaching at moments in time it may even uh, count, come into performance related things but you got to do that and then you look at the leader of that person or that department and say well, how are they going to be accountable because they they are modeling what they're seeing from their supervisor or manager and then you ladder it out and you say where's the president or the general manager who were the ownership how are they accountable and are they living and modeling into that? Are they, are they going back to their traditional roles and say, well, that's not my issue. Right.
1: Well,
2: Heck right. it isn't. It's everybody's issue. Everyone has skin in the game. But that's the that's the approach you have to take if you want to get to the extraordinary zone. You have to. Or just go through life being ordinary. I who love Who wants to be
1: ordinary? Who I wants to be that? ordinary? I don't. I agree with you. And that, um, the way you're saying things is different. And so how you're framing things is different. I can tell you have a unique perspective when it comes to safety. And so can you, can you dive a little bit into the importance of conversations versus site rather than just citations? And well, what is, yeah. What do you mean by that?
2: Well, you know, it, you know, so you, so we assess and evaluate our, our policyholders and our accounts. And and what I mean by conversation is we're discussing the business operation and we're not just doing the, well, you know, you had four losses and we need to talk about what the root cause was and, and what actions did you take? And then it saying, you know, I noticed in the past we've had a little uptick. And what does that look like? And how much of an impact that was that on your business when you had four ad fault accidents? And what put me through that? And, and 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 did you discern if there was any trending that maybe was it you know weather, traffic, routes? I mean, thinking of things that. And and by the way, was it through an employee who hadn't been familiar with the area and you put them in a different route, or was that employee going through something? Mm-hmm. that maybe you had not been aware of and had you asked the employee to experience any personal issue because let's not kid ourselves there are other things that we just basically well you know he didn't use his blinker, and he going over the other line Well, was he distracted was she distracted and, yeah. and and you know not just from you know within the vehicle or whatever maybe they had some traumatic thing went on so you, you, you got to get into the psychological aspect because i don't believe people want to get hurt Although sometimes people would say they, they do, but then you, you know, you say, okay, so what do we, what do we learn from that? And, and where's the accountability and how connected are you and are, is your supervisor and your manager with their people? And are they really having a, a, a conversation that there's a trust that they could share information? And I know it sounds a little corny that I'm leaning heavily into trust, but without that, can you really, really get people to change if they know that you're, your intent and your spirit is for them to get better and us to get better. Without that, it may sound a little hollow, but you have to do that. You have to have those conversations if you're going to move them and move the company forward by creating an environment where you can have candor. You know, I lean heavily into a book called Radical Candor.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that.
2: and, and, And through that allows us then to be, you know, corn here, but you have to be a little vulnerable as a leader, and as a, as a leader saying, "Hey, you know, you got to help me too, because I'm struggling while why you're struggling." Yeah. And I, is it the way I'm conveying that? And so, coach me up. So this idea of people coaching up is from the top down. It's completely opposite. People people need to coach up too, because leaders need help too, right? Yeah. We all need yeah. help, and you can create that but you have to look at things a little bit longer down the road and say, if we did these things, we can accomplish these things. But you have to be purposeful, but it has to have some levels of accountability. It has to. You have to have that because if not, how do you know when you're successful? How do you know that you can measure that and you can point to it and say, oh yeah, yeah. as I said, therefore I did, and look what our results are. Acknowledge that success. Success in the eye of a person could be different too. And you need to say, "I think you're successful here. Yeah, but I didn't do it at all. He did some of it. and that's that's progress that equals success. Because progress really is the feeder of success because that builds up the success model.
1: You know, you, I completely agree with you. And I think that going back to when you talked about trust, Mm -hmm. and I don't think that that is corny whatsoever. I think that where my mind went was, um, I don't know that you can have a safe, a real authentic, safe environment without a trusting team. I do agree with you. If you you said, if, if the workers don't, have a great communication stream with their management or the supervisors. And if they don't trust that that person has the best intentions for them, how would they ever feel comfortable enough to stop the job or not even stop the job? It doesn't even have to go there, but to raise a hand and say, Hey, I have a question here. I don't feel, I don't feel right about this. Those conversations, those opportunities to have deep conversations are completely missed if trust is taken out of the equation. And, uh, um, and then the the second thing you said that really stood out was coaching up. I have, I barely rarely heard the term of leaders need help too. And as a leader, how many times have we gone to the frontline and asked am I conveying this in a way, am I communicating in the way that you need to be talked to? Like that makes so much, that's another aha. That's another uh, golden nugget to take away is it is, you can't just as a leader, expect everyone to rise or not even rise, adopt your way of communication is what I'm So what I'm hearing you say is that you need to get feedback to see how you as a leader can better serve your team versus how can they serve me is what I'm hearing you say. Oh my gosh, that's so good. It's a huge takeaway for anyone in a leadership position. And if you don't think you're a leader, you might need to double check your uh your circumstance because you you're more than likely you are influencing no matter what your title is you're probably influencing someone
2: well you know um you don't have to have the title to be a leader either yeah. you know i think this this yeah. this, this number, well you know you got the title no man we all lead and you know and here's the other thing is through your actions uh will dictate how people perceive you so they'll you you mirror that well you may say this but your actions say that you know i'm super sensitive to the fact that you know i've got to be i want to be purposeful in what i what my expectations and how i want others to to react and act and embrace and if i don't live into it myself then how can i expect them to and if i don't offer that up as some degree of humility and openness well, then how can i expect them to want to improve Cause I'm not even willing to, that's where you got to let your, like get out of your own comfort zone, that traditional thing that we've been talking about here and, and, and lean into a more openness and willingness and desire for, for, for your you and your company and your cohorts and your team and, and, and the, you know, the company is a team. So, you know, Mm-hmm. I just believe that because we're only, you know, the steel phrase from Vince Lombardi, you're only as strong as your weakest link, yeah, And I, I believe agree. that. And you and you, and you do that. But you got to get yourself in an area where it's okay to think about things in that untraditional way. And then as consultants and professionals in the safety and health field, we've got to offer them support mm-hmm. and direction and encouragement nudging and then challenge them respectfully. Well, it sounds a lot like we did what you did before and that didn't work out very good. And how about us maybe being a little bit more untraditional? And here's why I think we might want to attempt and give it a chance. Just give it a chance. You would be amazed how at some point in time, the light bulbs are going to go out and go, "Why haven't been doing this before because we're used to doing things the easy way. Yeah. If this, if this untraditional approach were easy, everyone would be doing
1: it. <laughs> yeah.
2: I mean, yeah. that's just my belief.
1: No, I, I can't believe that uh, looking at the clock, our time is almost <laughs> up. I want to be respectful of your time here. So in closing, I've had such an amazing conversation with you, and I'd love to even continue this conversation if you'd be willing to ever do a sure. part two. Because this is fascinating um, to not be in the weeds of talking about compliance and regulations, but looking at big picture. And so, are there any final thoughts on your mind, Ward, of anything that you're really excited about in closing with safety and the way things are trending? Any anything that's on your minds, just to, just a wrap up.
2: Okay, and I just give you this little tidbit that I that I've learned along the, along the way is. Um, you know, don't fall in love with the analysis aspect. You know, you've you've done your analysis and you know what the analysis is. Don't reanalyze it, okay? And sometimes you should just go with that little person in your head that says, yeah, do that. Go with, you know, it's that gut instinct. It's really a portion of your brain. I think sometimes as as safety professionals, we we, want to collect more data. How much more data do you need that you already know? That's (laughs)
1: That's <laughs> so, Yeah. Right.
2: So, so I, I just say to yourself, trust your instincts, trust what the, the, the data is telling you because it's your data and you know, your people, and then you ask yourself, what things can we do a little bit differently on traditional to get us better? Because we need to go down that path because that's a path we haven't been choosing. That path is right with solutions. Mm-hmm. If you're open, But you've got to trust yourself and that little person in your head and you need to lean into it and you need to embrace it and you need to listen because it's there. You're just not listening. So that's what I would say in closing is trust your instincts, but also acknowledge that there might be more than one way and what path that you can choose. And that path that you haven't chosen is probably the path you need to choose. Because it's untraditional in our historical way of doing safety and health. That's what I would leave you with.
1: Absolutely. That last piece of advice for our listeners is huge. I think that's a game changer. And I just, Ward, I wanna thank you again for your time, but I just wanna acknowledge you for your perspective on, as safety professionals, we need to look at, if you're willing, to look at our role as more than compliance uh, pushers, rather than how do we go from average to extraordinary because our impact is far greater on people's lives when we're willing to take the risk to go to the next level. And that and that's a ripple effect for, for generations if, if we're willing to. So Absolutely. thank you so thank you. much. And thank you, everyone, for listening. If you have any questions uh, for Ward, for myself, just comment. Um, This will be posted um, on YouTube, on all the podcast channels. So thank you so much for your time, too, Ward, and I look forward to talking with you soon. Thanks, everyone. Pleasure's mine.
2: Thanks for the opportunity.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, everyone.
0: Thank you for listening to the True Safety Podcast with Apollonia Rockwell. If you are looking to save time and money with your safety program this year, we'd love to hear from you. Head to truesafetyservices.com slash podcast to schedule a free call with our team, where we will help you identify the biggest opportunities for growth in your company and safety program, and we'll connect you with the right resources to help you grow. Again, that is truesafetyservices.com slash podcast. Thanks so much for listening. We will see you next week. And if you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share with your friends. If you know anyone who needs to hear this episode today, click the share button and send them this episode.